So if you want to grab your outline, we'll go ahead and kind of get right into this message as we're talking about how to be a peacemaker. Um, you know, one of the most important life skills that we need to learn, I believe, now more than ever, is conflict resolution. How to resolve a conflict, how to reconcile and restore strained or broken relationships that we might have. And if we don't learn this and we're going to spend a lot of our life being miserable, unhappy people because we are imperfect people and because we're imperfect people, conflict happens all the time in our lives. All around us, we have conflict. And if we just run from conflict and don't deal with it, we end up being miserable because of that fact. It's an important skill. We need to know how to resolve conflict at work. It's a skill we need to have. Resolve, if you're married, to resolve a conflict in your marriage or just conflict in your family. Or how to resolve conflict, like if you're a parent, with your children, with friends, community. How to resolve conflict at church. Like, we never have conflict at church, right? That never happens? Yeah, right. Yeah, we have conflict at church because <clears throat> we're different. We have different personalities, Maybe in, a, in your life group, how to, how to resolve conflict. Literally everywhere, conflict happens. But here's the problem. Nobody really teaches us how to do that. You know, it'd be nice that even in school, if they would teach kids how to resolve conflict, I think that would fix a lot of issues in school with kids having conflict with other kids if they could just learn how to do it. But we don't really ever take a class on how to restore broken relationships. So we don't know how to do it. So this morning I want to give you some steps on how to be a peacemaker. How do we resolve some conflict? And maybe you don't need this now. Maybe all your relationships, everything is good. But at some point in your life, I can promise you, you will need to know how to resolve conflict because there will be conflict. So take some notes if you would like. And really, this is a review from the message that I shared back in January because I do believe, as talking about being a peacemaker, that this is a topic that we should touch on periodically because we tend to forget we get in conflict and we tend to forget how do i deal with the conflict how do i make this work out so this is always good to review especially this topic well we've been in this series on the eight beatitudes of jesus and jesus says there are eight conditions if you will for being blessed by god and these are kind of the first 10 to 12 verses in the sermon on the mount and jesus says if we'll do these eight things We'll have God's blessing on our life and our relationships and our, and our finances and our time, our health, all these different areas. Blessing comes from these things. So when we come to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we come to the next to the last beatitude. Matthew 5, 9, very short but precise. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. See, I would say the proof that we really are a child of God, a characteristics of a, of a true believer, a follower of Jesus, is that we are a peacemaker, that we're a peacemaker. We're known to make peace between people. So let me ask you this. Is this a characteristic of your life? Are you a peacemaker? just want you to think about that. So let me start by telling you what peacemaking is not. You might want to write these down. They're not on your notes, but you can write it down. Some things that peacemaking is not. It's not avoiding the issue. It's not appeasing the person. Some people think, well, I just keep the peace in my marriage, or I just don't rock the boat, or I just kind of sweep everything under the rug. 
I just swallow, I grin and bear it. That's not peacemaking. That really doesn't help anything at all. Because what do we know? What happens? Eventually that, that builds up under the surface and it, and it festers. And eventually it'll come out. And it'll come out like a volcano and it explodes all over everybody. And, and it might just come out at like, yeah, but we were just talking about what we're having for dinner. And boom, the blow up happens. But those things aren't peacemaking. Peacemaking is not running or avoiding the problem. Again, it's not appeasing. Appeasing means that I always, I always give in. They always get their way. I just give in. It's peace at any price. Appeasement is not the same as making peace. Jesus never ran from a legitimate conflict. He would deal with a conflict head on, and he knew how to resolve and to restore relationships. So I kind of want to give you seven steps, if you will, seven things according to God for resolving conflict, for restoring relationships, our broken relationships. Now, listen, this doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get back with your ex. It's not what I'm saying. But what it does mean is you bury the hatchet. It means that you have peace, that there's no longer resentment there. You can get along. So look at these seven steps for resolving conflict. And we can really use these in any area of life, any area of life. You know, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, a lot of this you can use in your life. Now, it'll be harder because you're trying to do it on your own. And I'm going to talk about that key step is about how important it is to have God in your life because he's the one that's going to give you the power to do it. So even if you're not a Christian, thank you for joining us. But... Um, you can try to apply some of these, but just kind of go along with us here. And we look, if you want to be a peacemaker, if you want to be known as a peacemaker, here's the first thing that you have to do that I need to do. And it's this. I make the first move. I'm going to make the first move. See, we don't wait on the other person. We have to take the initiative. I know what you're thinking. It's all their fault, though. When they come to me, I'll be glad to work on this and resolve this conflict. But God says it's up to us, if we're going to be a peacemaker, to make the first step, even if it is all their fault. God says, if, if we want to be a peacemaker, this is what we have to do. God says having harmony in our relationships is more important than actually worship. Because he knows that it's hard for us to worship him if we have broken relationships. Because that takes our focus. It's more important than us coming to church. Now, if you've got somebody, if you've got something with somebody, maybe things are kind of out of sorts with them. There's something working that out is actually more important than listening to me. Now, if you feel you've got to get up, you don't have to leave yet, but if you feel you've got to get up and go work that out, you can do that during or whatever. But um, Jesus says it's very important to work this out. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5.23, still the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Now, it doesn't matter if you have something against them or they have something against you. Again, suddenly remember someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come back, offer your sacrifice to God. So let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had an argument with somebody on the way to church in the car? You can put your hand up if you have to. Some of us, yeah. See, my wife and I learned this long ago. We just drive separate cars. No, that's just because I have to, 
I have to get here really early, so it just works out for us. So we drive separate. Um, but yeah, that, that, that can happen. There can be arguments on the way to church. But the Bible says that it would actually be better for us to sit in the car and work that out instead of coming in and just trying to fake it in here. He said, I'd rather you work that, that out. That's how important that is. Reconciliation for him, it takes priority. And he says when to do it. We, we do it at once. We don't procrastinate. We don't postpone. We don't delay. We don't make excuses. We just have to do it. Now, maybe some of the relation, relationship conflicts in our life have gone on for months or even years. It's been a, a, been a long time. God says that we can't let that happen because it will ultimately hurt us spiritually. What I mean by that is because, like I was saying, if we have a conflict with somebody else, it affects how we, sometimes how we see God. Maybe we get angry, so we get angry at God. Or just, you know, I know I'm supposed to work on this and I'm not working on this, so then it affects me talking to God because I know I'm supposed to do this and I don't want to deal with you, God, because I know you want me to do this. So it just totally affects our spiritual life. And it doesn't matter if we're the offender or the um, offended person, or maybe it's just a little bit of both. God says, we as a peacemaker need to make the first move. It's always our move. Conflict will never be resolved accidentally. We know that. It has to be intentional. We have to make the first move. And if we hold on to resentment, then what happens? We, we resent, then bitterness grows, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And our hearts actually get hardened to that person and sometimes hardened to God because we've been dealing with this for so long. So if you want to write this in, the only way to resolve a conflict is to face it. We have to face it. The only way to resolve a conflict is to face it. See, we can't navigate around it, really, honestly. We, just, we have to go right through it. We have to make the decision I'm going to, I'm not letting this go on any longer. And you make the decision and you resolve the issue. But what, what causes us to postpone or procrastinate over an issue when we know we're out of sorts with somebody? What typically causes us to postpone this with a family member, a spouse, or whoever? The answer typically is fear. It's the fear of the conflict because we typically don't, I don't like conflict. I don't like the emotional toll of conflict. It's hard to work through that. What it does on the inside of me, I don't like it. I don't want to make somebody else feel bad. And that's a lot of my, my own issue. So I can be afraid of actually having the conflict. So where do we find the courage to then make the first move? Because we keep on waiting for them, and they're waiting on us. And so we never move. Peacemakers take the initiative. We take the initiative in this conflict resolution. So where do we get the courage to do this? Well, there's really only one place. And this is what I was talking about. You can put some of these into practice if you're not a Christian, but really as a follower of Jesus, the way we can do this, why we can do this, the power to do this is through the Holy Spirit. Because as a follower of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to give us the power to do these things. It's God's Spirit. It's, it's His love. Because the Bible said there's no fear in love. And, you know, sometimes if you're in conflict with somebody you could really not love that person at all. And so maybe it's just, God, I need you to love that person through me because I don't have it in me to even love them. I don't even know I want to deal with this. 
but I want to do I want to deal with it because you want me to deal with it. So, God, I need you by the power of your spirit to fill me with your love so that I can I can bring that out in this resolution because perfect love casts out all fear. Second, Timothy one seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love and self-discipline. Now, these practical steps, again, cannot be done unless we're filled with God's love. Because the love of God that's going to, it's his love that's going to eliminate the fear and give us the power to do this. And then we have the courage to make this first step happen. So how do we get that love? We just, we have to ask God for it. We ask him. So here's the second step that really makes everything else possible is I ask God for wisdom. You know, I'm, I'm deciding in my mind that I'm going to do this. So now I'm asking God for wisdom. We make the decision. You know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. The effect it's having on me, I can't do this anymore. I'm not just going to let it fester. I'm going to deal with this conflict that's been under the surface for so long. Now, God, I need your wisdom. I've made a decision. I'm going to do this. Now I need your wisdom. The Bible says in James 1 that if we ask God for wisdom, he'll give it to us. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. You see, God wants you to ask for his wisdom. You know, sometimes we try to figure this all out on our own. And God's like, what are you, why are you trying to figure that out? I have everything you need. Just ask me for it. I'll help you. That's the first thing we do to make a decision. To say, I'm not going to go along with this unresolved anymore. I decided in my mind, um, I'm going to make the first step and I'm going I'm to fix this thing. I'm not going to wait on them. Now, God, I really need your help. I need your help to do this. I need you to fill me with your love because... I'm scared. I'm scared to make the first move. I haven't talked to this person in 10 years, and now I'm going to reach out to them, and I'm going to make this move, and I'm really nervous about this. I need your help to help me to do this. I don't even know what to say, but God, I need your help to know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know when to say it, where to say it. What's the best time, God? I just I need your help. So you ask God for wisdom to know when to talk to this person about it. And then once he gives you some help there, and you've determined You've reached out. You've determined the place that you're going to meet with a person. You ask God, okay, now what do you want me to say and when do you want me to say it? Because timing is everything. So God, just give me the wisdom. Help me to keep my mouth shut when it needs to be shut and just open it when it needs to be open and help me to know what to say. And we ask God for help. Now, I'm sure as I'm talking about this, you're already, you already maybe in, even earlier than this, you already had people a person or people in your mind that you have unresolved conflict with. And maybe inside it starts to build up, you know, the butterflies are having, I'm feeling a little nervous. I don't even want to think about this so much. Well, that's why we need to ask God for the help because we don't have it in us to do it. If, I'm, if I leave it up to me, I will walk away from that and not even deal with it. But if it's somebody in your family, your marriage, your parents, your kids, maybe somebody at work, we can do this with God's help. I promise. We just have to ask him. So now after I've made the decision to make the first move, I'm going to do this, God. And I've asked God for help. Now we're going to get to some of the real practical stuff, which is then step number three. Is this. I'm going to begin with what's my fault. I'm just going to begin with what's my fault. That may sound kind of counterintuitive, but... Even if there's not a lot that you're at fault for, but I'm just going to figure it out. I'm going to begin with what's my fault. So when we get together, I don't start with everything that you've done wrong. 
I don't start with just a bunch of accusations of what's going on. I don't start with how I've been hurt. We're going to get to that part. But we start at the beginning with what's my fault in all of this. And maybe they're mostly at fault. Maybe whatever happened, they are 99% at fault. But we can always find something to confess. Maybe it's how we... um, Maybe it was our poor response to the whole situation. Maybe it was our defensiveness. We have something that can, that's going to be our part. So we begin with what's our fault. And instead of accusing and instead of excusing ourselves, instead of attacking or blaming the other person, I'm just going to start with what, what's my part in this and get that out to see what's going on inside of me. And the Bible says there are two causes of conflict typically in our lives. The first cause of conflict is just self-centeredness. We're just selfish. Selfish people at times. It's what's going on inside of me. And if I'm filled with peace, normally um, things don't upset me so much. You know, if I have peace in my heart, things aren't going to upset me so much. It's what's going on inside. If I'm filled with love, almost nothing will irritate me. If I'm filled with Jesus and spending time with him, not many things are going to get to me. Not many things are going to tick me off. On the other hand, if I'm filled with ego and pride and self-centeredness, almost anything can tick me off. I mean, anything can make me mad. Almost anything can irritate me. You can do the smallest thing, and now all of a sudden my, my feelings are hurt really, really quick, almost over nothing. So it all depends on what's really going on inside of me. If I'm at peace with me and I'm at peace with God, then a lot of these other things just don't upset me because I'm at peace. So God's saying, here's kind of what he's saying with this, is that the real source of conflict and stress in your life is not all those jerks that you work with. You know, they may be jerks. That's not all the, that's not all the source of it. It's really what's going on inside of you or inside of me. Because if we were at peace, it wouldn't bother us so much. So the first cause of conflict is just self-centeredness or selfish. I want what I want when I want it. And you want what you want when you want it. And when my wants bump up against your wants really hard, now we have conflict all of a sudden. Now we're at odds. Now we're, now we're trying to deal with it. And there's, there's conflict. James 4.1 says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? Listen, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? It's the things that are inside of us that are causing the conflicts. The conflicts that we're having with other people is from inside of us. It actually starts with us. And when I'm at peace, typically what's on the outside doesn't upset me so much. When I'm at peace on the inside, peace with me, peace with God, the outside things tend not to have as much effect on me. It, look, it doesn't mean that I agree with every, everything that I see. There's lots to disagree with. Would you agree with that? Lots of things to disagree. I'm not going to agree with everything. I'm just not going to let it upset me. Look, I'm, as you are sitting there, I'm preaching to myself right now. So we're all in good company. God is talking to me. Look, it doesn't mean that I don't think that there are things that don't need to be changed. There are lots of things that need to be changed around me in my relationships. It just means I'm not going to get so distressed by them. I can disagree without being distressed. We will disagree. That's okay. 
But you are not distressed by the people around you. You're distressed by really what's going on inside of you. And that responds to all the people that are around you. So we can disagree without being distressed. Right? Amen? We can do that. So write this down. It's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. It's always more rewarding to resolve a conflict than to dissolve a relationship. So our nature, left to our natural self, is to be self-centered, is to be selfish. See, I don't think about you. I think about me. But if I'm going to have good relationship, um, friendships, whether it's work friendship or relationship or client relationship or marriage relationship, maybe it's a parenting relationship, I've got to think less about me and more about you and what's going on for you. So that, that's kind of the first cause of conflict. The Bible makes it clear it's just selfishness, that we're self-centered. The second cause of conflict is pride. You know, I'm in pride, I'm stubborn. I get my feelings hurt. Humble people typically don't get their feelings hurt as easily. Prideful people do. They get their feelings hurt all the time. It's because why? Because my ego gets wounded and now I'm hurt. Think of, think of the conflict that you are in right now. Maybe you've been in conflict with your, with your mother or your father or maybe it's your, your husband or your wife or a friend or somebody. And maybe you've been in that conflict for, for years and nothing is happening. There's no movement. Why? Because you're being prideful and stubborn. Maybe they're being prideful and stubborn as well. And there's no movement. No progress is happening. Well, I'm going to give you a secret sentence. That if you'll use a secret sentence, it will help in so many of your relationships. You, you can probably write this down. And this isn't rocket science. This is pretty simple. But here's your secret sentence. In any conflict, are you ready? Here it is. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. And then when your spouse gets up off the floor after they fainted, you say it again. I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. When was the last time you actually said that to somebody? Ever? Or you actually said that? Have you ever said that in your marriage? But how many times are we really only thinking of ourselves? But if you will say this, it's kind of this miracle phrase, if you will memorize this and get over our pride, which causes conflict, and begin to say it, if, you know, if somebody starts with us and we just start getting dismissive or defensive or demanding, just stop and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I was only thinking of myself. And you just watch what happens. You'll see like the, that balloon just will begin to deflate and that argument and that disagreement and that pride and that ego just kind of shrinks down to nothing because there's no power in it anymore. So here's the point. He's saying we need to confess our part of whatever this conflict is first. I don't start with the ways that you've hurt me. I don't start with you. I'm going to start with me. And I'm realistic and I'm asking myself, am I being insensitive? And is that what caused the conflict between us? Am I being oversensitive? And that has caused conflict. Am I being ungrateful and just I'm not showing any gratitude and there's conflict and that's why they're, they're hurting? Am I being over demanding? And you kind of just do an honest evaluation. And you kind of look at, do I have 
do I have some blind spots or there's some things that I'm missing? And once you've done that and you confess your part of the problem, now number four is this. You listen for their hurt and perspective. We're going to listen for their hurt and we're going to listen for their perspective. You know, it's very important to listen for hurt because you know there's always hurt in conflict. It's always hurt. Because, you know, we think that we argue over ideas, but we are actually arguing over emotion, the emotion in those ideas. Um, we argue over feelings. We get hurt. Anytime there's a conflict, it, somebody normally has their feelings hurt. Their feelings have been hurt. Somebody felt abused. Somebody felt slighted. It's not the ideas that have caused the conflict. It's the emotion behind those ideas. In, in, in your mind, you're like, man, I didn't, this felt like a little tiny thing. But to them, the emotion, it's like boiling. And, and you're thinking, well, I don't know what's going on. Because the conflict is the emotion. It's, it's the feelings. They feel hurt. It's what's behind it. Again, anytime there's conflict, somebody has gotten their feelings hurt. Somebody felt abused. They felt slighted. How many times have you heard us say, Pastor Jerry says it a lot, I say it, that hurt people hurt people. That's what happens. In other words, the more I'm hurting, the more I'm going to lash out at everybody else. It's what we do. People who aren't hurting typically don't hurt others. People who are filled with love or loving. People who are filled with joy tend to be joyful to others. People who are filled with peace tend to be full of peace toward other people. But if I'm hurting inside, there's a good chance I'm going to hurt you. Have you ever been around an animal that is wounded and hurting like a dog? You need to stay away from that thing because it could be your dog. And if it's wounded, there's a good chance that dog is going to bite you and hurt you. It's because it's the same thing. They're hurt, they're going to end up hurting you. It's kind of a defense. For us, we'll be hurt, and hurt people hurt people. It's almost like defensive reaction. I'm hurt, I'm hurting you. And it's just going to happen. The people who need love the most, listen to this, the people who need love the most are those who deserve it the least. I'm going to say that again. The people who need love the most are the people who deserve it the least. Maybe, Yeah, they don't deserve it. That's what you're saying. Exactly. They don't deserve it. Those people need love the most. The people who are the most obnoxious, don't say names out loud, and irritating, and you don't want to be around them. Those people, those are the people who need massive doses of love in their life. Because why? Hurt people hurt people. Maybe you say, well, my mom hurt me really bad. Well, maybe you need to try to understand and figure out what, what is hurting inside of her that has caused her now to hurt you. Or my dad hurt me. Maybe same thing. You need to figure out what, what has caused hurt in your dad that now is transferring over to you. Because hurt people hurt people. And if you want to connect with people, well, we must start with their needs, their hurts, their interests. If we want to connect with people, that's where it starts. So we listen for their hurt. And you actually are, again, listening behind the words. It's not just the way, it's not just what they're saying in the argument. We need to listen to the emotion. That will help with understanding. It's like, why are they getting so 
worked up over this. Well, there's something going on behind it. James 1.19 says this, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If we do the first two, the third's automatic. You know, if we're quick to listen and we're slow to speak, we'll be slow to get angry. But if we have a trigger temper and we get angry really fast and we're not quick to listen and, and we're not slow to speak, uh, we talk too fast and we, we don't listen and then all of a sudden we're angry because we're not listening to anything but what we want to say. So the next step to conflict management is we need to listen to their hurt. We need to listen to their perspective because we don't know their perspective. That's why there's the conflict. We don't understanding it. So I want you to write this down again. This message is simple. It's not rocket science. We just have to do it. I always listen before speaking. I always listen before speaking. But how, how many of us really do that? This is the key to diffusing conflict, is I'm going to listen before I speak. Then people feel validated. We're showing love by listening to them. Also, when, when, you, when you're talking to the person, you look at them, you pay attention. And what does that show when you're looking and you're paying attention? It says that you matter to me. You're valuable. And what you have to say is important, and I want to hear what you have to say. You're worth my attention. Philippians 2, 4, and 5 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So not only looking out for our own interests, but the interests of others. What's he saying? We intentionally switch our focus from our needs to their needs. Conflict, conflict resolution is going to start with the way we look at the situation, the way we see it. And that word look is, again, we're not looking at our needs. We're looking at their needs. Look at the needs of the person that you have the problem with. So how do, how do we do that? Again, by paying attention. We need to pay attention. There's an old proverb that says, seek to understand before seeking to be understood. Seek to understand before seeking to be understood. And then I read a really good quote from Chip Ingram, Pastor Chip Ingram. He said this, during a disagreement, consider this about the other person. Whatever they did, however they behaved, the way they are acting makes complete sense to them. Seek to understand. I'll say that again. During a disagreement, consider this about the other person. Whatever they did, however they behaved, the way that they're acting in that time, the way that they're acting makes complete sense to them. So seek to understand why that makes complete sense to them. Listen. That's what Jesus is saying here. You know, we're, we're often so focused on what we're going to say next. You know, they're talking and they're sharing some stuff with us. And I don't hear anything they're saying. Why? Because I've already got my rebuttal. You know, and I'm thinking, hurry, 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 hurry. This is good before I forget it. You know, because I get older and I forget. What was I going to say, squirrel? So I'm like, hurry, 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 hurry. Say what you're going to say. So that then I can say what I want to say. And then I get that out. Hurry, 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 hurry. I don't hear a word they're saying. And now I get my point out. That's what we get so busy doing. We're so busy trying to get the person we're in conflict with to see our position. We're really not listening to a single word that they're saying. And as a result, what, what happens? We move farther and farther 
away from any kind of true conflict resolution, really from being a peacemaker. So after I've admitted my fault and I've listened, listened for your hurts and perspective, now is this one, very simple. I speak the truth in love. I'm just going to speak the truth, but it's important. I'm going to speak the truth in love. Yes, we need to share the truth. We need to be honest. But it's all on our delivery. It's all on how we say it. The truth is not enough. It's not just the way we say it. It's how we're going to say it. We've got to say it with kindness. We've got to say it with tact. Some people say, well, I just tell it like it is. I kind of would say that's just being rude. I mean, kind of what you're communicating is I don't really care about you and your feelings. I just want to get my, my thought out. And now it's truthful, and it needs to come out. But just telling it like it is really doesn't help so much. Because well, even like Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Again, the truth is not enough. It's, it's how we say it. If we, say it, if we say the truth that needs to be said, it's the truth. If we say it offensively, it will be received defensively. You know, the gloves have come off and the, the fists are up. <clears throat> we must always speak the truth to our children in love. Because the moment we start yelling at our kids, they're not hearing words anymore. They're hearing emotion. And, you know, so you can just picture if you ever kind of yelling, getting loud with your kids, you know what your kids are hearing. It's the same thing you heard as a kid. Wah, 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 wah. You don't hear anything. It's Charlie Brown adults. That's all you hear. And all they're hearing is an emotion. And they will not remember anything that you said, but they'll remember the emotion. And it will affect them deeply. Because they'll, that kind of keeps score in them. And they don't even mean to, but it's just there. Truth without love will be resisted. Truth with love is received. So it's not just the way we say, yes, we need to speak the truth. I think we need to be better at speaking the truth. But then how do we deliver that truth? How do we say it? We say it with love. Proverbs 12:18 says this in the NIV. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. I want you to think of the word picture here. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. So if my words are reckless, it's like as if I'm jabbing a sword into you. That's what those words do to people. It's like stabbing them. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So what's he saying? In a conflict, foolish words hurt. Wise words heal, brings healing. And it's our choice. It's all in the way that we say it. On Facebook, it's all in the way that we type it. Amen? Right. Think about that. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I'm just going to say this. Some of you should paste this verse on your computer screen while you're on social media. Okay? Just going to say that. Because think about that. If it's there, don't use foul or abusive language. And let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. To those who hear them, it's kind of like what we were taught as kids. If you don't have anything, anything nice to say, just don't say it. It doesn't need to be said. But seriously, this is one of the greatest verses on parenting that we can ever learn. Or marriage or friendships. Just don't use harmful words. 
In fact, in your marriage, <clears throat> when you realize and you understand that you're a sinner, your spouse is a sinner, two perf- imperfect people will never make a perfect relationship. So we're going to have conflict. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. We're going to fight. We're going to argue. Or I guess just Christians, we, just, we disagree. But whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> we're going to have conflict for the rest of our marriage. The question is, are we going to fight fair or not? So in our marriages or in our friendships or any relationships, we're going to just, we, need to, um, we need to determine some ground rules, establish some ground rules so that <clears throat> we don't destroy ourselves or each other, however, in the inevitable conflicts of life. We need to take some words that are inflammatory and just take them off the table. They're never allowed to be said. I'm just, we're not going to use them. There are certain words we know that can trigger our spouse and will make them angry. There are some words that they know that they can say that will trigger um, you, that will make you angry or can lead to depression. We're just not going to use those. We're going to take them off. What we have to decide is if we're going to fight, it's going to happen. We need to fight fair. We're not going to use these words in our marriage or we're not going to use these words in our friendship. If you know you have good, close friends and you know that if I say these certain things, that's going to hurt them, those are off limits. Just not going to say it. Now, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking in love, but I don't need to use hurtful words in the midst of that, which then leads us to the sixth step, and it's this. I'm going to attack the issue, not the person. I'm going to attack the issue. We're going to attack the issue not the person that I'm in conflict with. It's really the sixth key to resolving conflict and restoring our relationships. We need to learn, again, to attack the issue, not each other. The reality is just understanding that we're both on the same team. No matter what your, your relationship status is, whether it's just, you know, it's your friendships or your marriage or whatever, it's we're on the same team. Anytime we're busy attacking the person, we are wasting energy not fixing the problem. It doesn't get anywhere. As long as we're attacking each other, we're not attacking the issues. And God's pretty specific about the words that are out of bounds, the words that we shouldn't use. You know, it's like we, we don't say, but you did this, but you did that. But no, but you did this and you did that. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything. That's the blame game. That's not going to fix things. Stop attacking the person and start fixing the problem. Maybe you've got a problem with finances in your marriage. So you attack the finances and you figure that out. You don't attack each other. Maybe you've got a problem with your in-laws. Now, look, I'm not saying you attack your in-laws. I'm not, but you figure out what's going on with your in-laws and you work on that and you don't attack each other. Or maybe it's, you know, a problem with, bless you, maybe it's a problem with your kids and you deal with that in your marriage or you've got a problem in your work schedule you deal with that. Stop attacking the person and start fixing that problem. God is very specific, again, about the words that are out of bounds. Look at Colossians 3.8. This is a great verse to memorize. We should know this because it will help us in any of our relationships. Colossians 3.8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Those should be out the window, not even allowed. He says in our marriage and in our relationships, no angry rage. In other words, we should never try to intimidate anybody with anger. We shouldn't make threats. We don't intimidate that way. Malice, malicious behavior or malice says that's when we say things that are intended to hurt. 
We know that if I say this thing, I know that if I say this thing, that's going to hurt you. So I don't say that. That's off the table. I'm not even allowed to do that. Or like, you know, you're just like your mother. Or you're just like fill in the blank. That's just labeling and belittling. Or psychologizing. I know why you did that. No, you don't. I mean, we don't even know why we do half the stuff that we do. True? So how am I going to know why you did what you did, typically? And then no slander. That means no insults. No belittling, no labeling, attacking the issue, not the person. I, this will solve so many issues with us if we will do this. If we will attack the issue. We have an issue. It's a real issue. And we need to work on it. But I'm not going to attack you as the person. Then finally, the seventh step is this. I focus on reconciliation not resolution. I'm going to focus on reconciliation, not resolution. What, what does that mean, to focus on reconciliation and not resolution? There, you see, there's a, there's a big difference here. Reconciliation means reestablishing the relationship. That's what it means, reestablishing the relationship. That we've buried the hatchet. It, it means that, you know, we don't have to necessarily get along in that sense, but we're going to be at peace with each other. You know, if it's with, a, with a, an ex or whatever, it's, you know, you're not necessarily you're getting back together, but you're at peace with each other. You buried the hatchet. We're not holding on to any more hurt. You're not holding on to that. That's uh, reconciliation. Resolution means we resolve every disagreement. You know what? Most likely that's never going to happen. You probably will never resolve every disagreement that you have. You can resolve a lot of them, but the chances are you're not going to resolve every single one of them. Why? Because we're different. You have your opinions. I have my opinions. We can at some point agree to disagree, and we can still be civil. That's called maturity. When we can disagree without being disagreeable, that's what Christ-likeness is like. We can be mature. We can be like Christ. We can have, and I've shared this before, we can have unity without uniformity. We can, we can do this. We can walk hand in hand together without seeing eye to eye on every issue because we have different opinions, and that's okay, as we should have different opinions. That's why God made us the way he made us. You know, if you focus on restoring your relationship, oftentimes the issue becomes insignificant. It's like, what were we even fighting about in the first place? I don't even remember. How many of your biggest arguments were over the smallest things? And it's like, yeah, why are we fighting over this? They weren't really about that. It's, it, and that's what you have to see. What's that all about? So we need to get back to focusing on the relationship, not necessarily restoring, trying to uh, resolve every conflict. We won't be able to resolve every conflict. All right. So we're about out of time. So let me just, I just want to kind of wrap up this time with you this morning. Here's my challenge to you as someone who loves you. I really do. Um, that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm a pastor. But I can tell you also, I want to challenge you as someone who I'm somewhat saddened inside. My heart has really hurt. Um, 
over the last months, um, just all the fighting, um, the, the fighting between Christians. I, I just want to give you a challenge. I mean, in our world where it's, look, there's enough stuff out there. In a world where there's constant conflict, there's wars, there's division, there's arguments, there's stress between people, where there's prejudice and racism, and then everybody wants to fight about it, and we have everything from violence to terrorism to then people just getting in each other's faces. There's like no regard for human life anymore. People just do not care about humanity. I just watched a video the other day of just people were standing on the, on the side of a, uh, they were just outside, I forget, I don't even know what city it's in. And there was two people standing here and two people standing here. And for whatever reason, because they had a disagreement, the, the guy just walks up and completely knocks out the other guy. And then the police are just standing there watching. Nobody's doing anything. Somebody's like, can you just call 911? And I feel like, how do we get to this place? How do we get here? And, 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 then, and then people attacking each other constantly on social media. Can I please just say, if you're a follower of Christ, look, if you're not a Christian, um, it's kind of like the world's way, so that's just what you see and that's what you do. But if you are a follower of Jesus, can I just say, can we please stop fighting on social media? Whatever the platform is, can we please just stop? I mean, for me, I, I, I honestly can't even go on much. I don't even like to go on much. I, the only time I try to go on social media is if I'm trying to share some kind of something encouraging to people. I'm just trying to put something out there that might brighten somebody's day. But that's about it. Because all the fighting on social media makes me sad. It hurts my heart. It really does. It, it, and can we just stop doing it? Because you know what it does to me? I look at it and I go, we look like fools to the world. If we're a follower of Jesus, what are we supposed to be known for? What are we supposed to be known for? Our love for God and our love for people. And when we fight with each other and we're not a peacemaker, what are we known for? I don't know. The same as what the rest of the world is known for. See, the rest of the world is really, as much as they don't want to say they are, they're looking to us for hope. They really are. They're looking to us for hope. But when we act just like they act online, we give them no hope. Why do they need what we have? They don't. If we're going to live like that. So my challenge to you is that if you're going to go on social media, will you be somebody who is a bridge builder? Just in your life, in your relationships, will you be somebody who's a bridge builder, who is a peacemaker, somebody who is a balcony person, who is lifting people up? not tearing people down. Don't engage. There's just some people out there who are just going to try to get you. Do not engage. Don't involve yourself in the conversations. Just be somebody who is a person of light. Let us be known for the love that we have for God and the love that we have for other people because people really, they want it. They're just trying to find it. Let's show that to them. May we be different. May we look for ways starting today to bring people together rather than tearing people down. Let's be peacemakers. Then we'll, we will be called and known as children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Let's pray.
Father, as we are gathered here this morning, it's obviously heavy on my heart. I want to be known as a peacemaker. I want our church, not just our church, but the church, the believers all around the world to be known as peacemakers. To not engage in the fighting. Yes, God, there are things that need to change. I, I, I don't disagree with that. There are things that need to be fixed. But God, can we first and foremost be known as people who love you and people who love other people so that we can truly be a peacemaker. So we can be agents of change. So we can be people who really show your love to others so that when they see us, they will see us as different. And maybe things will begin to change. Maybe we can be your, your, your feet to the world that needs to know you. So God, I'm challenging myself. I'm challenging all of us this morning. May we be peacemakers. May when people see us, they will see us as different and say, why are you different? And we can say, oh, it's because, it's because of Jesus. It's because of what he's done in my life. Help us to live this out each and every day. Lord, I know it's not easy. There are lots of things that can push my buttons and get me all. But what I've learned this morning is that that means something's going on inside of me that I need to deal with. Help me to deal with it. Help me to take these steps and to put them into place and remember this and just go through this every day. Say, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? Understanding that it's most importantly for us to be spending time with you. That's how we get this power. Jesus, I just want to say thank you for being the ultimate peacemaker. You reconciled a broken world to yourself. You have restored peace if we'll accept that peace. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross for us. Maybe for some of you this morning or watching online or in the pavilion, maybe you don't even have a relationship. Maybe you want to start that. It's just, it's understanding. It's very simple. It's understanding that we are sinners, that we do things wrong. It's not our fault. Adam and Eve made it happen. We inherited it. And so we're a sinner. Nobody has to tell you that. You already know that you do things you shouldn't do. And then understanding that Jesus came to this earth as a man, fully man, fully God. He died on the cross for your sins. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. And the Bible says that anybody who puts their faith and trust in him will have eternal life. So maybe that's your prayer. Maybe just say that this morning. God, as much as I can understand, I need your forgiveness for my sins. Thank you for making peace. I want you to come into my life. Forgive me. And now help me to go out and live for you and to be a peacemaker. Fill me with the power from your Holy Spirit. Thank you for everybody here, for everybody watching. Lord, may we make a difference in our little part of the world so that it can be different. So next year is not the same as this year. And so we just give you all the thanks and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. It's Mel. If God has spoken to you today about reconciling the relationship in your life, we want to pray for you as you work it out. If you're on campus, use the communication card in your worship guide, or you can always go online at SeminoleChurch.com forward slash prayer to share your prayer requests. Have a great week and be sure to join us next Sunday. See ya.